0: You're listening to Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince. Every two weeks, they give their thoughts on movies, TV, and anime.
1: an episode of our comic book informed podcast I thought it would be fun to tackle a very popular series by novelist and comic book writer Joe Hill who just happens to be Stephen King's son but wanting to try to quote unquote make it on his own as kids are wont to do sometimes he changed his name and proceeded to write in a style very similar to his old man comparisons and speculations were made and frankly it's believed he wasn't really fooling anyone though that didn't seem to matter because the man can write and at the end of the day that's all that matters I've wanted to read his novels for some time now, especially Horns. I hadn't read much about Horns, but that was by design. The concept interested me, and so I purposely avoided reading much about it that it may surprise me when I finally got to it. Having since seen the movie adaptation, I don't feel the day is ever going to come now. We'll discuss whether that's a good thing in this episode. Horns the movie suffers from a great many problems, not the least of which being that it's poorly written and takes itself far too seriously, making it come off as a college film directed by a moody first-year student who hasn't yet realized that they were supposed to grow out of their high school goth phase. Daniel Radcliffe's acting is surprisingly good, despite the source material. The problem lies squarely with the script and directing. Horns is directed by Alexandre Aja, French producer-director known for The Hills Have Eyes, Mirrors, and High Tension when one of the director's upcoming films is Space Adventure Cobra, a film about, and I quote, the escapades of Cobra, a space adventurer who encounters a guild of space pirates, monsters, and a lot of alien women. Little warning flags should go up. The film starts with Ig Parrish, Radcliffe, and his girlfriend Marin, added by Juna Temple, laying on a blanket, framed perfectly, symbolically pointing away from each other. By this point, there's already been references to the garden of evil and the devil, because if you're going to try too hard, you come out of the gate running. Igg states, I'm going to love you for the rest of my life, to which Marin replies after propping herself centrously on one arm, hovering over his face, just love me for the rest of mine. And I groaned, perhaps a bit too loudly. While it's true that people say such corny, trite lines in real life, that does not mean one needs to memorialize them in film. Because they are corny and trite, and films should be better. From that point on, look for not so cleverly hidden symbolism everywhere. From Igg's Awake, Arise, and Be Forever Fallen tattoo, referencing Paradise Lost, letting us know right from the get go that Igg represents Satan, to the license plates referencing the Bible. We got 2036 Luke, which refers to. Uh, The quote, and they can no longer die, for they are like angels. They are God's children, since they are children of the resurrection. And then Jen 138. Hell, even the town's diner is Eve's diner, and its sign is a big apple. But what would you expect from a film named Horns that has as one of its first lines the woman in the refrigerator character asking the devil character, are you horny? Now, I need to know, having read the novel, did it suffer from the same issues, or was the novel actually any good?
0: The novel was light years beyond what we saw here in the movie. Like Personally, I'd say it's the weakest of the three novels he's written, but it's not because it's bad. It just kind of has... It it bounces around between genres, and it kind of loses its sense of identity. Like, it, it... basically follows some of what we see here in the film where it starts off at the beginning like the very first scene is Egg waking up with the horns and you know the backstory is filled in later so the first chapter is kind of this dark comedy where like it was at least for me the most enjoyable parts of the movie is where you know he's just having fun with the horns if you will and you know bringing out the worst in people and all that and it was fun and then it switches to their childhood which reads like stand by me So then, when it comes back to the modern day, it becomes a revenge film. Before again more flashbacks, when you finally get into the whole stuff with Lee and Marin, and you know them as adults, and it became like a really depressing, sad love story. Before you finally had the big blow off at the end. Like each individual part was. Well done for the style it was trying to emulate. It just didn't come through as a cohesive unit for me. But I still found it overall enjoyable. Like I liked the characters, and like I said, each element worked on its own. Like the when they finally got into you know, as we'll come to in the movie, you know, describing why Marin and Ig you know had their uh, had their falling out. Like it was depressing, like legitimately. But that's because it actually was well written in that aspect. So that was handled better than in the
1: book, or was it identical in the film? Because I the, found the it. Film trite corny in the film threw every
0: element of subtlety out the window in every regard in, in, in the comedy, in the, in, the, in, the, in the quote, love scenes, in, in the story presentation. And I, for me personally, that's something I've noticed a lot with uh, Aja. Like, I love horror films, but I despise pretty much every modern horror film. Like I've gotten into so many arguments because uh, Alexander Aja is seen as a, you know the next big thing in horror film direction, and I despised his remake of the Hills Have Eyes, whereas people held it up as like, oh my god, it was so much better than the original. It's to the point where I don't think even Wes Craven knows what a good horror film is anymore <laughs> because he liked the remake, but it just threw away all the subtlety, and that's the same thing we're seeing here. There's no, there's nothing. To latch on to. It's just it's constantly going at 95 miles an hour and it never lets up. It doesn't give you you as a viewer a chance to step back and breathe and kind of figure out the motivations. It just keeps going and going. And the only way you could have a climax is to go so far above and beyond everything you've already done. It becomes comical.
1: It's not just that, but it doesn't give the audience the opportunity to figure things out on their own either. Mm -hmm. And this is something we discussed in other films before as well, where especially for me personally, I hate it when everything is shoved down your throat. You're too stupid to figure this out on your own. So I'm just going to lay it
0: out for you. See, and that's, I'm sorry to to interrupt, but in the book, you know, you know, pretty much from the point where they're 11 years old that... Lee is the bad guy in the story. Like, it never comes out and says it, but it also doesn't try to pretend that's not the truth. It's a matter of how does he get there and seeing that journey. Whereas in the movie, we're expected to ignore that he's kind of a jerk until the big reveal at the end. So, again, it's subtlety.
1: See, and for that there, you know almost immediately. Wow, immediately. I mean, once the horns Mm -hmm. are there and everybody else sees them, and acts like an idiot except for his lawyer which is supposed to be this cute little thing oh the lawyer's the good guy you know he's wearing the cross it's it's really it's been shoved down mm-hmm. your throat and this is early on and it's like you know it there's no there's no trying to figure it out it's there and you know it and not just that but then trying to hide this from us until far later on when the reveal is there and it's like we've known since the beginning and the the actor who plays lee max ming, ming what is it minghella
0: minghella yes is
1: horrible in this he's horrible i hated him from beginning to end to the point where when when the reveal is made and he's basically well not basically he's a psychopath he doesn't feel or see or or understand emotion or whatever. It's like the only response that makes sense is an emphasized eye roll because it's just so ridiculous and just again you saw it coming and it's so overacted that it's like oh my God. It was
0: terrible. Don't disagree whatsoever. It all comes down to a complete lack of delicate touch with from the director and I assume the writers as well.
1: So that there, that reveal again, because you said, you know, it from
0: the get go. Yeah, it, it, it's but no the, secret. It's, it's a matter of seeing the characters coming to the realization. Like you as the, the audience, the reader, you get it, but it's still interesting seeing the characters, you know, unveil.
1: So is Lee then a it? character that you actually are interested throughout the novel or is he as ridiculous as he is in the, the film?
0: I, I, he comes across a lot more subtly, because in the in the book, because as we see in the movie, uh, Ig can kind of see people's memories. So a lot of the book is him seeing these events through multiple people's eyes, you know, seeing things from his point of view at first, and then from Terry's point of view, and then finally from Lee's point of view. And it adds layers onto the story where, okay, this guy you know didn't see Lee it's obvious that Lee wasn't quite right. But then finally seeing things from his perspective and seeing just how unbalanced he was and how you know, he was misreading every single situation because of his own you know, shortcomings or you know, defect or how, however it was that you know, he was perceiving signals from other people. Like there, there was something fundamentally wrong with it, but it wasn't until late in the story that you see you know, how it really led to what it did. It wasn't just he was, he was always evil, so he killed her. No, it was, okay, he he was messed up and, it, it, you know, a lot of people ignored it or didn't quite see it until it was too late.
1: Yeah, see, film version, it's not, things didn't
0: progress and then he did something that he later regretted. Yeah, for a, for a movie psychopath. that was this long, it didn't spend enough time doing anything. Yeah, it's just he was completely lost. And when you get to
1: that scene as well, and we've discussed this before... This was far too long and graphic, a rape and murder scene. Mm -hmm. We fast forwarded through it because as I've said before, i and people can argue that it's artistic liberties, that it belongs in there because there's other atrocities that are depicted. Bullshit. It does not belong. And I will fast forward through that shit anytime. It's not titillating in the least. And so I'll fast forward. We were fast forwarding for a bloody long time. And I was like, Jesus Christ, what the hell is this?
0: It and again was- that that goes back to my previous experience with Aja's work as a director. You know, he's a blood and guts violence and, you know, sexual assault as we see here type of guy. He wants all that to be on the screen. You know, he wants to cause a reaction. He wants it to be cringeworthy, but that's not what makes a horrifying story. No. And he doesn't get that, and so much of the modern horror audience doesn't get that either.
1: Yeah, In one of the reviews online that I read, uh, writer Philip Martin states... Hill's Ig is Lucifer is a Lucifer figure who decides that it's better to reign in hell than stoically suffer the atrocities of the world. Mm-hmm. Aja's Ig is, is a satanic detective. It's not that the novel is dumbed down for the screen so much as its serious undertones are subverted by some pretty broad com- comedy that becomes predictable after the second or third lurid cho- quote-unquote shock. You agreeing with that pretty much?
0: Yeah, I, I'll, I'll definitely agree with it. And, you know, again, I think Hill was a little heavy handed in the novel with the whole the devil isn't quite that bad of a guy aspect. But no, that's an accurate statement.
1: So before we move on to the, the, the <laughs> blood and guts of the film, would you actually recommend this novel? Forget about his other ones are better. This one here, would you actually
0: recommend it? Yes, I actually would. Okay. Okay, good to know. It well, starts off great, gets a little awkward in the middle, and ends in kind of goofiness, like nowhere near what we see in the film. But again, it was an emotional journey along the way. <laughs>
1: there, there was no goofiness at the end of this. There was just in that it was so bloody over the top. Once you're past the 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 assault, the 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 ending to this, like I know we're bouncing all over the place, but hell, the movie does anyway. So why shouldn't we? <laughs> when you get to the end, we, of- we just want to get to all the worst parts first. yeah because there's very few good ones when you get to the end there and there's the whole transformation and fight and everything Uh. it is so over the top and ridiculous now by this point I especially had I'd clocked out this was I clocked out early but it was just one groan after another and it's like oh my god and not just that but it's so long and you're like forcing yourself to sit through this and it's like Let's just see how it ends. What's going on. And I've already fast forwarded through 15 freaking minutes of assault here. Let's just get to the end. And it's so over the top, ludicrous, stupid looking that you're like, it. I don't know. It it defies explanation of how you're feeling. It's not just disappointment. It's like, what did I just sit through here? What, what, what was he trying to do? Because it's, again, it's the, 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 Freaking bloody strokes are so broad that it's like, it's a farce of a movie. And again, going back to the book, was the ending anywhere near this stupid?
0: Not even close. Like, yes, it was goofy to the effect that, yeah, he was, you know, he was a devil-like character. He had these horns. Like, his skin had actually taken on a reddish hue from being burned in the car. Like, he was carrying around the pitchfork. But it was more like just imagery. Like, the actual story was... He never had these supernatural, you know, ridiculousness aside from, you know, being able to survive fire. That was really the weirdest thing about it.
1: Okay. So for people who haven't seen the movie, and I'm suggesting you not, (laughs) 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 maybe read the book, but definitely don't see the movie. Again, the character of Vig is he's. He hasn't even yet been arrested. That's the other thing, too. It's so freaking stupid in how it's presented. Like, immediately he's being accosted by reporters all the time saying, how does it feel to get away with the murder? There hasn't even been a trial. There hasn't even been an arrest yet.
0: See, and right off the bat, it's a departure from the book. And I'm never one of those people who's like, oh, it wasn't exactly like the book. It was bad. Like, I'm all for changing things for the screen. I acknowledge it's necessary. But the book started a year after the murder, so it had time for the trial and for you know, everybody in town to form their own opinions, whereas right off the bat here, it was a couple weeks. No, I thought it, it was it,
1: longer than that.
0: It, but still, it, it wasn't enough time for the story to have the weight that they were trying to give it.
1: Yeah, it just – again, and it felt so off. It's like if they're that certain that he's the guy, then shouldn't he have been tried something? It's if it's been that long and, and all of the, the town is acting so bizarre. His own parents don't believe that he didn't do this. Like there's there's not nearly enough evidence to support that he did do this. And yet the entire town, including his family, is against him, let alone before the horns come out and everybody's saying what they think. This is you, you get that impression you meet well not impression you it's mm. slapped over your head that this is this is how it is, and again, the fact that his own parents believe that he killed this girl is like it it just again feels wrong right from the get go and it's not that this is a an odd family, yes, you find out later there's some odd things with them, and with the exception of the drug addicts son, I mean pretty normal folks kind of thing, and yet. They don't believe their own son that he didn't do this and there's not enough evidence to support that he did. And then finding out that the father's actually messing somehow with the evidence as well. It's like, oh, come on. I know you're taking artistic liberties because it's a film, but really, you, you, you're treating us like idiots at this
0: point. Again, it's factually in line with the book, but it all comes down to how it was handled on the screen that made it kind of ludicrous instead of... Instead of emotional and somewhat realistic, at least. Yeah.
1: Once the horns come out, there are moments that are enjoyable in the film. Mm-hmm. Just because of the concept and what it does to everybody around him. Unfortunately, it's so freaking heavy handed again that everyone is an asshole. Everyone has got these, whether it's perversions some evil streak to them, violence, whatever, and it's not just that. Like he's bringing that out in them. It's not presented in such a way. It's presented in such a way that it's in them, in every single one of them. There's this, and it, well, of course, with the exception of the the lawyer. And so it's it's the few moments where it's it's fun and it's a, a fun concept to roll with, kind of thing is overshadowed by how ridiculous it becomes long before even the middle of the film.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's that's why in retrospect, I, I can appreciate the decision, again, in the novel, that they started off with that, they let everybody have the fun, and then it really stopped. Like, he isolated himself, so he didn't have any more of that stuff. But, you know, it we've all... Been there, like we've all been the nurse in the doctor's office. We've all wanted to stand up and scream at the at the parent ignoring their their loud child. But you know, it's we're, we're trying to have a society here, so we don't. And like, I, I liked the concept of you know, okay, everybody has these desires now. Again, the the book and the movie took it to certain extremes, if you will. Uh, although, again, the movie had some things that weren't in the book. But then again, the one thing in the movie that I loved that wasn't in the book was the reporter scene, right. because like that was just an ultimate catharsis of you know these people insert themselves into each other's lives. So just have them, you know, the the fight was hilarious. So it was used to good effect at points. Exactly, but but again, it was it, it was again it, it just
1: it was a bit too much. <laughs> I I wouldn't say a bit. I would say a whole hell of a lot too much, especially when you look at the running time of the film and how much attention is is spent on this. Because Mm -hmm. once he decides that the only way he can resolve this is for him to basically become, again, a Satan detective and go out and speak to everyone, you have then so many scenes. Had it been sprinkled in and only a certain amount of scenes where this kind of thing happens, it would have been great. And it would have inserted those small moments of comedy that are required in a horror film because there's nothing like that nervous laughter that you get when you've been tense for so long. That's, that's brilliant in a good horror show. But here it's so heavy-handed and so all the time that the effect not only loses its effect. That's a horrible sentence, but you know what I mean. (laughs) It, It loses its purpose. But not just that, but it becomes annoying. And it becomes something that it's like, oh, God, just get on with it. I don't need to know why this person is like this or what they're doing or, you know. I, I, I don't need to know that. And especially the get the racist things about wanting to sleep with a black guy. And all. I'm going, why did we need that? Seriously? Why? There's no point to that. It doesn't propel the story forward in any way, shape or form. So again, it was just, I keep going back to heavy handed. I mean, the, the, the scenes with the freaking doctor nailing the nurse too. you're going like, Why? why do we need
0: this in this film? The film is already too you long. You know exactly why we need that in the film, Roger.
1: Yeah, because it's trying to titillate an audience. Exactly.
0: And that's
1: where it fails.
0: Instead that's the pr- sole purpose. And as far as Aja is concerned, that's a good enough purpose. Like, again, I don't like this guy as a director. He, His entire style is just to beat you about the head with every piece of imagery he can find until he's out of film. And that's what we see here. Yeah,
1: this this film needed an editor, a
0: competent editor, in such a bad way. And whether and here's what really bothers me: Joe Hill was on set yes. for most of the filming, and he loved a lot of what they did. Like he said, the Lee in the movie was better than the Lee in the book. Yeah, I'm like, how can you be such a good writer and have such a bad concept of everything? Because like, even outside of, of this, when he talks about other stuff, like that. At least I would see as terrible. Like he loves. I'm like, how do you have such bad taste, but your finished products come out so great? (laughs) Yeah. I, the one of the few redeeming things
1: in this show, which for me is funny because I really wasn't a Harry Potter fan. And, and that's not slamming the books or movies. The, the books, when you look at the, the basic, stories behind them and the importance of the the characters and things like that and what they're trying to accomplish and all that fantastic stuff and not just for kids for adults as well like it's there there was a fantastic comparison ironically by Hills old man who talked about
0: Stephen King is the biggest Harry Potter fan yeah, on the planet comparing <laughs> Harry Potter to Twilight <laughs> and it was
1: not very <laughs> positive for Twilight fans but it's true and but the movies came out around the time that, again, we watched it with our kids. And as an adult watching it, I'm I'm certain it was different if you read the books and you were involved with the characters and all that, but us not having that, you basically come off as a whiny little brat. It was a little annoying to watch at times, so (laughs) I couldn't, I didn't enjoy them all that much. Now, that said, I still think that Radcliffe's a hell of an actor, and that's what we get here. I mean, one of the few reasons to enjoy any parts of this movie is Radcliffe. He does a fantastic job despite the material that he's given and the direction. He was fantastic. I enjoyed him a lot, even though again, a lot of it could be perceived as corny or stupid or trite. He pulls off the lines, but that's not enough to carry the film. And when you're looking at the rest of the cast, not all of them are that great
0: either, man. It's, it's not
1: pretty. His brothers I, are just annoying to watch every scene that he's in. Joe Anderson.
0: He, oh my God. Like uh, that's a character that was just butchered so badly. And, oh God. The scene with him at the end when he's on the drug trip is like one of the one of the most ludicrous things I've ever seen. Yeah. And yet was still probably only the second worst thing in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, yeah, Juno Temple, apparently people it's the first thing I've seen with her in it, and people really like her and think she's going to be a big star. I don't see it here. It was just very no. generic. Like, just run it just ran into. Remember when Heather Graham was supposed to be a big thing? <laughs> and she's just, you know, some random waitress who wasn't even good in that role? Yeah. Like, oh. Yeah, it was.
1: It, it, yeah, that was stupid. The, again, the lawyer, Max Minghello, I hated him beginning to end. I. There were very few characters that I actually liked in this, and I know that you're not necessarily supposed to like them all because of all of
0: their faults and things like that too that that come out throughout the show, but still it was just you're supposed to like someone despite their faults yeah, it, <laughs> it's it just, not not everybody is immediately condemned just because they thought a bad thing once yeah
1: and and the acting too it's it's not just the the characters were not something you can get behind. It was the acting for a lot of it was just not that good. And I'm quite certain it's not just the actors. It's the direction that they received. I'm going to put damn near all of my age for this on the direction because Aja's the one that was in charge of this. So he's the reason why we have so much stupidity throughout it all. I don't disagree. I, yeah. So again, I don't know how much more that we actually need to cover. I mean, when you're looking at the film again, he gets the horn, brings out the worst in people, and then decides to roll with it. And then you get the stupid, like, oh, let's give him a
0: pitchfork, let's make him carry around a snake. Which I'm like, assuming wait, that was in the book. Where as well. did the pitchfork come from? That wasn't in the book. He, well, no, it was in the book, okay. but again, in the book, it made sense. You know, it was a dilapidated old warehouse. And, you know, it was just happened to be there. Whereas in the movie just all of a sudden he shows up with a pitchfork.
1: <laughs> no, I thought he picked it up in a warehouse or something like that
0: as I'm, well. I, I must have zoned out in that scene then.
1: I'm fairly certain that, yeah, it was in a warehouse or something and he saw it on the ground and picked it up when the snakes were coming out
0: and he was mm. trying to keep okay. the snakes exactly. away and then
1: the snake climbed up, the pitchfork and
0: climbed onto him. So, yeah, it was there. it tells it was, you how much attention I was paying certain points in this movie. <laughs> yeah,
1: but again, it was one of those like, why, what, what, come on. And again, it was the heavy-handed symbolism that's trying to be put in for all of these biblical references and everything and whether that was in the book or not I'm sure there was a number of them that were in the book mm-hmm. it was there was just too much of it that then for me at least ruined a lot of the film because there's a difference between subtly in certain religious undertones and slapping you over the face with it. And I, I like religious undertones in a movie. It's, and it's not necessarily religion that I believe. I don't care. It's interesting. And, and when well handled, it can be a fantastic plot device. But when, again, it's slapped
0: over you, over the head, then it's like, nah. I... See, it's one of those things where the movie had the same amount as the book did but a book is a 10 to 15 hour experience. Yeah. So trying to take like you know when you're adapting a a book to to the screen, you have to take what's important and you know, but not every single reference is important. And if you have a quarter of the running time, you know, if if not less, then you kind of have to take a quarter of the references along as well. Like and that's just it was a it was a very poorly done adaptation which is all too common. So I mean, I can't really rag on that too much like i could probably count on one hand the number of good adaptations there have ever been but it's just again they looked at it and went okay what's the most striking parts of the story what's the most visually appealing you know what's the most controversial stuff let's take all that instead of what's actually important to the core of the characters and the emotional experience
1: did the book end the same way in terms of the rationale why Marin left him yes okay
0: See, I but again, that was portrayed Jesus over hell. a longer period, and we see it. You know, like I said from different points of view. Like at one point, at reading the book, I hated Maron. I was like, what the, what the fuck? Did you know that's you know that's a pretty shitty way to go about it? And then coming back around a few hours later, seeing it from a different point of view, you're like, oh my god, that's so sad. I can't believe I, you know, I can't believe I had the same anger for her that Ig did.
1: Okay, because when I saw it at the end, by then too, we'd seen so many cheesy overused cliches that I there was no surprise at all. It was like, okay, well.
0: Again, it's, it's a matter of how it was pulled off and if it, whether or not it was given the right amount of time. Like, again, this was a very... Like, of all... Of, of the, again, of his three novels, this was probably the worst one to try to adapt into a movie just because of the plot structure and that so much of it actually needed time to breathe and sink in that it, it was a lot going on for one film. I think it was a poor choice in every conceivable way. Poor choice of an adaptation, poor choice of writing, very poor choice of director, poor choice of casting for just about every role. Like, beginning to end, like this movie was doomed for failure. Yeah. The only scene
1: that I actually really did like was after he's set on fire and comes out of the water and, and says, well, we'll say this, I am hard to kill now. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was one of the few that I went, ah. That was. I actually laughed, and my wife looked at me as <laughs> one good scene in the movie. I, I, I think you were kind of.
0: <laughs> I was a loopy with, at that point. Baby. At that point, like it, it was just <laughs> quick It was out of place. It was like it was like something out of a crappy Sylvester Stallone action movie. Almost. But I
1: needed something by that point because again, I'd been rolling my eyes so much and groaning that it was, yeah, not good. Okay. Any parting thoughts before we wrap this up? Then, don't watch it. I agree. So, with that, we are going to call it a wrap. Thanks for listening. Let us know what you actually thought of the movie. And if you disagree with us, let us know in the comments. We'd like to hear what you think. In a couple of weeks, we're going to have a fantastic episode. We talked about it before, and it's going to be our Great Escape episode, where we talk about not just a Great Escape, but quite possibly a better film inspired by Great Escape. That's Chicken Run. So, so we'll talk to you wait. <laughs>
0: more tv movie and anime reviews please make certain to stop by popcornronin.com and leave the guys your thoughts in the comments if you'd like to hear more from roger and vince check out their comic book informer podcast as well as for the lore a weekly gaming podcast and lastly thanks to Manelli jamal for the show's theme music we encourage everyone to check out his site ManelliJamal.com, or find him on itunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his cds